This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I really wanted to know what was in that package just now. I hadn't seen that video yet. Hey, uh, we're going to look through the Word of God tonight, and it's going to be really good. And so if you want to have the Word of God in front of you and you didn't bring yours with you, if you'll just lift up your hands and our awesome team of ushers will get the Word of God to you. And let's just give a round of applause for our ushers. They always do such a great job. You know, it really touched my heart with what Pastor Shelley said a second ago that we're a family and family knows each other's names. And my mom's not here, but I hope she's watching online. There's nine kids in my family, I'm the oldest, and uh, I've been called the wrong name by my own mother so many times I can't even count. One time she literally said, Evan, Jordan, Andy, Matt, you with the stick, stop it. <laughs> names are hard, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> All right. When you get your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 23. We're not gonna get there quite yet. It'll take us a little while. But today we're talking about physical health. And you may have seen the flyer and you're like, physical health, I'm not going to church on that day. Uh, but I believe that what we're gonna talk about tonight can help every single one of us, no matter what age or shape or size or stage of life you're in, I believe that what the Lord's gonna speak tonight can help every single one of us. And so last week, uh, Amanda Bullen talked to us, and she did a great job of explaining why we need to drink lots of water, we need to have healthy food in our bodies, we need to get exercise, even if it's just some movement. And she told us how we need to use what God put on this earth to be healing to our bodies. And so she explained the why. Why physical health? Why do we need to be physically healthy? And so tonight, my goal is to give you a how. How? Do I be physically healthy? So according to research that was done at the Ohio State University, only 9% of all Americans who make a New Year's resolution actually follow through. So there's about 100 people in this room. That would mean that only nine of you actually did your New Year's resolution. So if you're one of the nine, pat yourself on the back. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. Uh, but I've definitely more often been in the other boat. And what's funny is it actually goes on to say that only 23% of Americans who start New Year's resolutions, 23% of them, they stop after the first week. They don't even make it to January 7th. And then 43%, almost half of all people that make New Year's resolutions don't make it past January. So by February 1st, about half of all the people are, are they're knocked out of the race. And if you're a person who like goes to the gym all year long, every year, you probably see that wave of like January, they're all there, and then February starts to come. By March, everybody's gone, and it's just you again, right? And so why is that? Why is it that we make these goals? Obviously, we want to follow through, or else we wouldn't make the goal in the first place. We want to get in shape, we want to exercise, we want to eat healthier, we want to do those things. That's why we set the New Year's resolution in the first place. So why is it so difficult for us to follow through? And that's the question I wanna answer tonight. So in my life, I've known that I need to make changes. I know that I need to drink lots of water. I know that I need to eat well, and I know generally what it takes to eat well. I know that I need to exercise. I know all of these things. I know that those things are gonna help me to live longer. I know that those things are going to help me to feel better. I know that those things are gonna make me able to like play around and get on the ground with my kids and wrestle with them and not feel the pain the next day. I know all of those things. 
But I, and what I wanna come to you tonight with an understanding heart. Like, I've been there. And I know what it is to, to go the one month or the one week and then fall off the wagon. I, I know what it is to, to work out really hard for a month and eat really healthy for a month. And then all of a sudden you find yourself at a kid's birthday party and that cupcake is calling your name. And the second that the cupcake enters your face hole, it's over. My workout regimen's over. My, my eating healthy, it's over. I'm going back to soda instead of water now. I've been there. I know what that's like. And so I wanted to do some research and find out why is it that we do that? Why, if we want to, to do well, if we want to be physically healthy, why do we tend to fall off the wagon more times than not? Why do we do such a great job, lose the weight, get it off, and then we put it right back on? Why? And so with that in mind, uh, just a story about myself. I was actually a CrossFit athlete for eight months. And uh, this was probably seven, uh, so six years ago. And I went faithfully. I was dedicated to the sport of CrossFit. There was this gym that I went to in town. One of the other staff members at the church went with me. And we were there at 5 a.m., five days a week. I mean, I showed up. I loved it. I loved CrossFit for some reason. It just, I, I identified with it. I was eating healthy because I wasn't gonna work that hard and then not be in shape. I was drinking all the water I needed to. Like for eight months, I was in the best shape of my life. Until one day at a CrossFit workout, I got injured. I hurt my back. And so for several weeks, I couldn't lift any weights and I couldn't run. And so what did I decide to do? You may think, well, he was so dedicated. He probably got right back on the, on the horse and kept going. No, I canceled my CrossFit membership and to this day, I've never gone back to the sport. Why? This is, it's almost like it's, it's human nature. And so I wanna expose this tonight. Okay, so why is it so hard to change? Why is it, and in some seasons I can be an athlete, in other seasons I'm a couch potato. Why is it that I can lose the weight just to put it back on? Why are, are the goals that we, we set for ourselves, why are they so hard to stick to? And so in an attempt to answer these questions, I've read a couple of books recently, and most of the teaching, besides coming from the Word tonight, is gonna come from these two books. So the first one is called Atomic Habits by a man named James Clear. If you've read this one, let me hear you. Two people, love it. Okay, this is not a Christian book, and it's not written from a Christian perspective. And that's why I love this book. This one is called The Power to Change. This one's written by a pastor of Lifeway Church. His name's Craig Grishel. This one has a lot of similar information, but this one is from a biblical perspective, and this one talks about using the power of the Holy Spirit to give us self-control. And so if you're gonna pick one of my two books to read here, definitely go with The Power to Change by Craig Grishel. Not sponsored. Okay, so what I found in these two books, both of them, is that our habits, our good habits, our bad habits, the fact that we have a habit of getting up early and waking up and, and working out, or the fact that we have a habit of consuming three or four cupcakes at every birthday party we go to, our good habits, our bad habits, they are not a result of willpower. Willpower might work for a little while, and that's why you get you know, people that stick to it for a week and there's people that stick to it for a month. Our, our habits are not a result of willpower. Our habits are a result of our identity. Everybody say identity. So two weeks ago, I talked about our spiritual health. And I said when, when we were talking about that, that the, the spiritually healthy, the result of my spiritual health will be how I answer two questions. And they were who is God 
and who am I? And so we see that identity even comes into play in our habits, good and bad. And so mastering bad habits and forming new good habits is so important for us. We need to be able to kick those bad habits that we don't, we don't wanna take part in that anymore. And we need to be able to form and stick to good habits. It's all a question of identity. And so in these books we learn that science tells us that instantaneously and subconsciously in every situation we find ourselves in, we ask ourselves three questions. And so the first question that we ask ourselves in any situation is what kind of person am I? That's what your subconscious wants to know first. What kind of person am I? The second question that your, your subconscious asks, what kind of situation is this? What kind of situation am I in? Is this dangerous? Is this a good situation? What kind of situation is it? And the third, the most important question is what does a person like me do in a situation like this? And that is the filter by which we make all of our decisions. Now, science figured this out some time ago, but the Bible says this. The, the Bible knows things before science does. God is perfect and he's the one that created us. We need to know how life works, we look in the word. And so take a look at Proverbs chapter 23. And in verse seven. So this is gonna be out of the New King James Version. And here's what it says. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. It starts in our heart, and it starts in my thinking. If I'm gonna ask myself subconsciously, who am I, what kind of situation is this, and what would a person like me do in a situation like this, then I have to, in order to adjust my habits, I have to adjust my thinking. I have to adjust what I believe about myself. I have to adjust the way that my heart perceives who I am. I have to adjust my identity. Now, if you have a different version than New King James, you may be reading that verse and you're flipping back pages and going, where does it say that? So if you'll look in the notes, your Bible, if it's not New King James, it probably has a note there and it'll either say, it says what, you know, what it says originally and then it'll say, or it could say, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, or it may have a, a, a little footnote that says the Hebrew phrase, it's uncertain what it means. But there's actually another place in scripture that says something very similar. And the Bible also says that out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of what's in here, that's what determines what comes out of our mouth. That's what determines our actions. And so Bible and science, all of it tells us that our habits are a result of our what? Identity. So Craig Rochelle says it this way in his book. He says, you do what you do because of what you think of you. That sounds like Dr. Seuss. You do what you do because of what you think of you. So let's look at an example of this. Let's say that, that I have a donut sitting right here and it's a Krispy Kreme donut, or wherever your favorite donut store is. And it's a, it's a hot donut. It's fresh, just came off of the conveyor belt, had the, the icing dripping on it, and it's sitting right here. Now, if I say of myself, if my identity, I say I'm a person who loves sweets. I just love sweets. Maybe it's specific, and you say I am a donut lover. I could put 10, one on each finger, and eat them all. 
Like, that's who I am. I love donuts. Then what are my, what's my habit going to be? My habit's going to be if I walk past this donut, it's not still going to be sitting here when I walk the other way, right? If I believe in myself, I'm a guy who loves sweets, I'm a man who loves donuts, then my habit will manifest, I'm going to eat that donut. But what if my identity, the way I thought about myself, was I'm a runner. And as a runner, I know that if I eat that donut, my five-mile run later that afternoon is going to feel terrible. I may even see that donut again at some point during the run, right? And so as a runner, I'm gonna see that donut and it's not even gonna be a temptation to me. I'm gonna spend the extra time to make a, a healthy protein shake as, for breakfast that morning. Why? Because my identity isn't someone who loves sweets, my identity is someone who's a runner, right? I do what I do because of what I think of myself. My actions are determined by my thinking. And so then how do I get from a person who loves donuts, if that's where you're at right now, to a healthy person? What if your identity was, I am a healthy person? And then your mind begins to filter every decision you make through that lens, I'm a healthy person. So go back to the donut example. I'm a healthy person and healthy people don't eat 10 donuts, one on each finger, right? I'm a healthy person, healthy people wake up when their alarm goes off. I'm a healthy person, healthy people get out and move and do some exercise. I'm a healthy person, healthy people drink enough water for our bodies to function. Do you see how this begins to shape and change not only the decisions that we make, but our habits, those decisions that seem to happen automatically because you do what you do because of what you think of you. So in the scripture, this is all over the place. For instance, when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, God came to him and said, no, don't let people call you Abram anymore. From now on, you will be called Abraham. Why? Because Abraham means father of many. Whenever God named him Abraham, though, God had not sent the promised son to him. Isaac was not born yet. Isaac hadn't even been conceived yet. But God said, I'm gonna change your name, I'm gonna change your identity. You're gonna be the father of many. We look at Peter. Peter's name was Simon. And Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means rock. When Jesus changed Peter's identity, Peter was still bumbling around, putting his foot in his mouth, living in fear, denying Jesus, all the things. But Jesus said, I'm gonna give you a new identity. If we look at Gideon in the book of Judges, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And you remember Gideon, he's looking around. Me? He says, my family is the weakest family in this whole place. And in my family, I'm the weakest person. He's saying, I, I'm the lowest of the lowest of the low. And you're saying I'm a mighty man of valor? When the angel of the Lord said that to him, he had never fought a battle. And he viewed himself as the lowest of the low. So what happens once those men's identity was changed? Well, you know that Abraham and Sarah conceived a son. She gave birth to Isaac and through that bloodline, the entire nation of Israel was born. He became the father of many. You remember that Peter, once he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached his very first message and 3,000 people got saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit that day. 
Peter became the rock which the Lord Jesus used to build his church through. And Gideon, Gideon mounted an army of, of thousands, but the Lord narrowed it down to 300, and with 300 men, Gideon defeated an entire army. And the Bible says at the end of Gideon's life that for the, for the time that he, he reigned in the land, Gideon experienced peace because he was a mighty man of valor, because Abraham was a father of many, because Peter was the rock. So they didn't function in that role. Their habits didn't change until their identity was first changed. Turn to the book of Romans. We're gonna be in chapter 12. So what about us? What if you identify yourself as you're the, the guy who loves sweets? You're the one who's lazy. You're, you're the one who, who can never measure up. You're, you're poor or you're broke or you never have enough money for your month. You're, you're the parent who loses your temper, loses your cool. You see, this isn't just about our physical health. Our, our habits affect every area of our lives and our identity shapes our habits. You do what you do because of what you think of you. And so in Romans 12, we're gonna be in verse one and two. And the Bible's gonna use this phrase that, that we're gonna talk about to shape who we are. And so first of all, the Apostle Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And I love that he starts there. God's mercy is that we don't get what we deserve, right? And he starts there because none of us are perfect. None of us have been perfect. None of us are in perfect physical health or perfect spiritual health or perfect financial health. All of us make mistakes. All of us fall short. But he says, I want you to look at this verse through the lens of God's mercy. And so he says, I urge you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. And I think it's so interesting that Paul didn't say, offer your heart as a living sacrifice, for this is your worship. And he didn't say, offer up your spirit as a living sacrifice, this is true worship. He said, offer your bodies. And you know, elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about how we have been bought with, our, with a price, that we are not our own and that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, let your body be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Look at verse two. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. When you change your mind, when you change your thinking, when you change what you think about yourself, good things start to happen. And then it says, then. Everybody say, then. So after you renew your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We gotta renew our minds. We gotta make these new. We gotta base it off of the word of God and start to say about ourselves what God says about us. Start to believe about ourselves what God believes about us. Turn just a few pages over to the book of Galatians chapter six. So we've been talking about you do what you do because of what you think of you, and so if I need to create a new habit, then it's gotta start with my identity, with what I think about myself. Here's the caveat. Here's, here's the, this is the key. And this is a, a direct quote from James Clear's book. It says, every action that you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but 
as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. This is one reason why meaningful change does not require radical change. And I've been stuck in that pattern before where I think, okay, I'm a little bit out of shape. I'm gonna like only eat one meal a day and I'm gonna drink seven gallons of water a day and I'm gonna work out six times a week. I mean, and you think I've gotta do this radical stuff, but you know what? It's all about our small habits. He goes on to say, small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. And if a change is meaningful, it's actually big. That's the paradox of making small improvements. And so what I want you to get out of what he said is that every action I take is a vote for the type of person I wish to become. And so you may say, okay, I would really identify more on the donut lover side than on the healthy person side, right? So how do I change my identity? Renew my mind. How do I renew my mind? I see a donut right here and I decide to walk past it. And that choice, that action, casts a vote for the type of person I wanna become. And the next time I pass a donut, and the next time I pass a donut, and now I can't possibly be a person who loves donuts because I've passed up so many of them. And now my mind starts to change. My mind starts to be renewed. But look at this, we don't do it on our own. Look at the book of Galatians, and we're in chapter six. I'm gonna start in verse seven. This is good wisdom from the word of God, and this is gonna shed some light on all of this. Galatians chapter six, verse seven, it says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man so reaps what he sows. In verse eight, it says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. When I sow, when I plant seeds that are damaging to my flesh, or that appease my flesh in the moment, then I'm gonna reap destruction in my flesh. Look at the rest of that verse. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. And so what if my identity, in regards to physical health, what if my identity was, I'm a child of God. I was bought with a price. My body's not my own. And people that are taking care of something that actually belongs to somebody else do a really good intentional job of caring for it. See, I'm shaping my identity around the word of God. Look at verse nine. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's been me so many times. I've stopped short of reaping the benefits. You know, I, I have to recognize now that if I would have stayed a CrossFit athlete for the last six years, I'd probably be in really, really good shape right now. But I grew weary in doing good. Something got me off track. I stopped believing about myself that I was an athlete. I stopped believing about myself that I was a healthy person that made healthy decisions. We have to renew our minds. Renew your mind to the word of God. Believe about yourself what God says about you. And then take those actions that are votes for the type of person you want to become. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. How do we endeavor to form new good habits and stop repeating bad habits? Because there's two kinds. There's all these habits that we want to start and there's habits that we want to get rid of. We have bad habits, we have good habits and this applies to all of them. 
So we're going to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We're gonna be in verse 11. I can tell you this, and I said this two weeks ago, but being healthy in any area of your life, including physical health, you have to be intentional. If you're not intentional, you're going backwards. Remember, it's like we're standing on a treadmill that's, that's going slowly. I may not fall off right away, but if I stop going forward, I'm moving backwards. We have to be intentional. The next thing we have to be is we have to be disciplined. The good news for us is that self-discipline is a fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to do it by yourself. And so look at what Galatians, or Hebrews 12, 11 says. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Now, this is the end of a section of verses that I read two weeks ago when I talked about how God disciplines us. And we talked about how he's shaping us and molding us into who he wants us to be. But we have to have self-discipline as well. You know, just like your, your kids, those of you that have children, you may tell them, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, when they're young. But as they grow, you start to let them make mistakes and experience the consequences for them. You start to teach them about self-discipline and doing the things they need to do for themselves. You want to help them to be more independent. And you wanna teach them to be dependent on God. And so this says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, it seems painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I need to let that discipline from the Lord, I need to let that self-discipline that comes only from the power of the Holy Spirit train me and produce a harvest of fruitfulness in my life. And that includes with my physical health. That includes making decisions that allow me to be more healthy. The last verse we're gonna go to is Romans chapter seven. It'll take me a little bit to get there, but just so you can get ahead. Romans chapter seven. So I wanna share, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. These are the three laws of behavior change. Because really, that's, that's what we're after. If we want to be more physically healthy, we need to change some of our behaviors. And so I'm gonna talk about the law of behavior change and its inverse. What I mean by that is the law of behavior change is how do I form a good habit the inverse of each law is how do I abandon a bad habit? Everybody with me? So number one, the very first law of behavior change, in order to start a good habit, you need to make it attractive, okay? If you hate running, then running is not going to be attractive to you. So how can I make a new habit attractive? First of all, you have to focus on the benefits rather than on the pain associated with it. If you think to yourself, okay, I'm gonna go on a run, it's gonna be terrible, my legs are gonna burn, I'm not gonna be able to breathe, this is going to be the worst 30 minutes of my life, then that's what you're gonna believe about it. But if you think about and you focus on, man, this is gonna get me in shape so that I can do more in my life. This is gonna help me to feel better in my body. This is gonna be good for me. I'm focusing on the benefits, I'm making it attractive. Maybe you could find a way to exercise that's not something you hate. For instance, if you hate running and you know you wanna exercise more, try getting on a bike. Try doing a rowing machine at the gym. Try doing an elliptical. Do something that makes this new habit you're trying to create attractive. Uh, you could also say the inverse. So if I create a good habit by making it attractive, how do I abandon a bad habit? 
I make that bad habit unattractive. How do I make a bad habit unattractive? Maybe you have a, a, a habit of sleeping in and you're the snooze person. I'm gonna hit the snooze, hit the snooze, hit the snooze. Obviously, you knew what time you wanted to wake up the night before, that's why you set your alarm for that time, but in the morning, you're feeling good in bed, this is great, and I'm just snooze, 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 why? Because staying in bed is attractive. It feels good, it's more comfortable, you don't have to have the bright light shining in your eyes. But what if I made it to where staying in bed was not attractive anymore? So maybe I, I take my phone with my alarm, and I move it all the way across the room, so that if I'm going to stay in bed and have the covers on and be all warm and cozy, I'm gonna be hearing that annoying alarm for however long I sit there, right? Until I get up out of bed and turn it off. So I'm taking this bad habit and I'm making it unattractive. What about even if our spiritual life? I, I really wanna read my word. I really wanna pray. You can be something as simple as saying, I'm only gonna drink my favorite coffee while I'm reading the Bible. I'm making this habit attractive. I'm building up that identity. Because remember that every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you wish to become. Maybe you say even something as simple as, I wanna pray more so when I pray, I'm gonna sit in my favorite chair next to my favorite window in the house. You create this space where you're excited to get up and pray and be with the Lord. Make it attractive. The second law of behavior change is I gotta make it easy. So if you wanna work out in the mornings, if I wake up in the morning, my family's still asleep, and I've gotta fumble in the dark for my running shoes, and I've gotta open the drawer, oh man, my shorts aren't in there, now I gotta go search the laundry room for the shorts. You know what, just forget it. So I need to make it easy if I'm gonna form a new good habit. So the night before, I'm gonna set out my running shoes, my shorts, my shirt, I'm gonna get my water bottle filled up, I'm gonna put it in the fridge, so that when I wake up in the morning, it's easy for me to start the habit that I'm trying to create. So what's the inverse of the law? If I wanna start a good habit by making it easy, make your bad habits difficult. So let's say you have a bad habit of late at night, you're all into the junk food. You've got that kettle corn, popcorn, you've got the Doritos, you've got the, the Ho-Hos and the Ding Dongs and the Twinkies, and that's your go-to midnight snack. Well, how do I make it difficult to partake in that bad habit? Don't buy this stuff. Make it to where if you want a Twinkie that bad, you're going to have to put your clothes back on, get your shoes on, get in the car, start it, drive to the grocery store, find the Twinkie aisle, purchase one, come back home, sit on the couch and eat it, right? I'm making that bad habit difficult for me to do. So if I wanna start a good habit, make it easy. If I wanna ditch a bad habit, make it difficult. And the last law we're gonna talk about, the last law of behavior change, make it satisfying. We, uh, the reason we tend towards, we tend to shy away towards bad habits, wait, I'm sorry, I messed up. The reason we tend towards bad habits, the reason we shy away towards good habits is because in general, good habits, there's consequences now. There's pain now so that I can have pleasure later. But a bad habit gives me instant gratification, instant pleasure, and I pay the consequences later. Our brains are wired to do what's satisfying for us right now. And so if I have this, this good habit that I wanna form, I need to make it satisfying. And you know what? You don't wanna do something that makes it satisfying that derails what you're trying to accomplish with your habit. For instance, you're like, make it satisfying. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. If I run one mile, I will allow myself to eat an entire pizza. 
Okay, that's a bad way to make that run satisfying because it derails what you were trying to accomplish, right? But something as simple as a habit tracker can be a way to reward yourself. A habit tracker is just where you write out the days of the month on a, on a notebook page or something that you can keep with you and you have running. I wanna run every day for a little bit. And so you have running and then if you ran on Monday, you get a check mark. Something as simple as looking in that that bubble, filling it in with the check mark, that can be satisfying to you because we're wired to want to make progress, right? Find a way that doesn't derail you to make those good habits you're trying to start to make them satisfying. Maybe it's even, okay, I'm gonna go on a run, but I'm gonna wear my AirPods and I'm gonna listen to my favorite album while I'm on the run. That's a way you can make it satisfying. Maybe you play like a game with yourself or with your spouse and who can run the most days in the month? And we'll both keep track of it and we'll kind of compete against each other. That's a way to make it satisfying. So what's a way to make it, or the inverse of this law? If I wanna start a good habit, I make it satisfying. If I want to stop doing a bad habit, I need to make it unsatisfying. So what can this look like? Well, you know what, a, a bad habit that's so prevalent in our society is pornography. And people have the habit of getting on their phones and scrolling through pornography. Well, what if you set up an accountability partner with somebody who was close to you, somebody that you could trust. And you committed to them, every time I fall in the area of pornography, I'm gonna text you and tell you that I did. You're making that habit unsatisfying because you know you're gonna have to tell your friend that you messed up. See, even this is ways that we can shape our habits, ways that we can make those actions to be votes for the type of people we wanna become. And we wanna be healthy. We wanna live a long time. We wanna feel good. I told you to turn to the book of Romans chapter seven. One of the reasons that in my life that I've recognized that I have tended towards failure in this area is because I've made my goal perfection. And none of us will ever be perfect. Whenever I had to miss workouts for a month when I was doing CrossFit, since I wasn't perfect at it anymore, I quit. Whenever I made my goal to, to not eat sugar for a while, Whenever I ate that one cupcake, I quit because I wasn't perfect anymore. But we gotta make our goal progress, not perfection, because we can all make progress. So the book of Romans chapter seven, we're gonna start in verse 15. And the apostle Paul says, and by the way, I want you to hear yourself in this, because I, I hear myself when he's, when he's saying this. The apostle Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong, it's the sin living in me that does it. In verse 18, he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong, it's the sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, he says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with what? My mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. 
Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? See, Paul slips all the way down to shame. And he says, what a, what a miserable person I am. And you may feel that way too about yourself. Down on yourself for not making the right choices. Down on yourself for giving up. Down on yourself for being one of the 23% that only made it a week in your resolution. But look at what Paul says next, because that's not the end of the story. Verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, the answer is Jesus. He's our helper. The Holy Spirit lives within us and he will help us. He will help us to make choices and to do actions that will be votes for the type of people that he says we are. You go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes, and if you would stand up. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're the answer, just like the Apostle Paul wrote. God, there's times when we, we don't do what we wanna do and we do what we don't wanna do, but I thank you that you, your grace is sufficient for us and that your power is made perfect in our weakness. God, help us to change our identity and to form our identity by renewing our mind to the word of God. Lord, would you help us? Help us to, to make those small changes, those small choices that are gonna be votes for the type of person that we wanna become. Help us to be physically healthy because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, because we've been bought with a price and because we're not our own. We love you and we're so grateful for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.